Greetings, my name is Harrison Hunt, I will be your guide on your quest, and with me is the torchbearer, it's James Clark. Oh, oh. And we're in a, we're in a new location, nomads, moving around. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you say moon around? Moving around. I've always said moon around, moon. it's getting our asses out. Moon around. <laughs> uh, well, anyway. Oh, love is me bum. Right. Sorry. Enough. This isn't supposed to be funny. Yeah, this is supposed to be a dead serious podcast. This is a show all about tabletop RPGs, and today we have a show so fucking spectacular, it's going to make you have a trouser explosion. Isn't that right? Yes. Which is actually quite appropriate, and you'll see once we get to the main subject how appropriate this really is. And today we're going to do feedback, we've got news punch, we've got what you've been slaying, and the main subject this time is going to be... Well, I think I'm just going to call it the guy's name who we're talking about. So it's going to be all about a bloke called Arcadum. And if you don't know who that guy is, well, well, get to know because it's uh, it's going to be a bit fucked up. And then we're going to end it with electro letters. James, are you excited? Um, you know that trouser explosion you've been talking about. Is it happening it's now? It's happening now. Nice, <laughs> nice. I so I keep thinking of that guy hitting himself in the balls with the fucking <laughs> resistance bands. Oh, you just need that soundbite. I'm definitely going go in now. In, yeah, I'm going to do that instead of the feedback jingle. I'm just going to play that. I have a question. Does anyone know how to actually use these things? Because I, I seriously have no idea. Oh, oh. So, feedback. Obviously, we had Sean on the last episode, right? Loads of people are saying they want him on as a regular, and they want a conspiracy theory segment (laughs) specifically done by Sean. A lot of people saying that on the Discord. I'm also trying to get him to join the Discord so that he can sort of become their whipping boy. Sort of oh, thing. mate, that's such a good idea. But he's he's just not done it. He keeps telling me he's going to join, and then he won't. But oh, to yeah, be mate. fair, he hasn't figured out online banking yet. And still goes into the bank to do all of his stuff. So. And he takes like he'll sit there in, in the Weatherspoons, and then he'll take five minutes putting in his card details, and then he'll end up going to the bar anyway. Right, I've got fucking Apple Pay set up on my phone, so when I want to order something, you just put it through the app. The beer comes to your table, where every time Sean gets out his card, types <laughs> it in, realizes he's done it wrong, then goes to the bar. Yeah, every time. Yeah, so this is probably why he hasn't joined the Discord, is what I'm saying. But yeah, um, we should, we'll th- do it for him. I think. Yeah, we'll, we'll jo- just take his phone off him and then sort him out, and then put notifications on, put like a really annoying jingle for yeah. it. Yeah. And um, what we'll do later on in the show, he is at work today, which is why he couldn't be with us, even though he said he could be here today. Um, Fucking is- idiot. So yeah, so we'll call him halfway through the show to get his conspiracy theory segment down. We'll talk about <laughs> crop circles or something. <laughs> yeah. But Ace B, he says, I was listening to the Morkborg episode on my phone, paused it to get to the shop before it closed. In the shop, I accidentally pressed play while paying for snacks, and the words, shove it up there, then put it in his mouth, played extremely <laughs> l- loudly. Shopkeeper <laughs> just looked at me silently judging. Yes. That was a low point, I feel. I mean, so we will be talking about the Morkborg shit later on, but the thing is, during that episode, we did a flashback where... What was it? You shoved up his bum? Oh, cr- yeah, these guys the shoved crumpets, crumpets uh, up. Crum- uh, crumpets, sorry. Yeah, up an NPC's bum and then shoved yeah. them in his mouth. Yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. He it, deserved it. He Listen did deserve it, it but uh, it's beautiful. It's art when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, fart. <laughs> really nice. good toilet humour we're doing so well so far without bringing any humour to this dead serious podcast. oh yeah I mean yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Spyros now this is a long one he says dear three T's I listen to your podcast semi-regularly you fucking piece. semi? you piece of shit just because we talked about trouser explosions you fucking cunt I can't believe it 
He says, and I immensely enjoy it. Yeah, well, not enough to listen regularly. <laughs> you <laughs> motherfucker. On the subject of mega dungeons, I would like to suggest that you take a look at Caverns of Thracia by Judges Guild and Janelle Jacques, under the name Paul Jacques. It is not as massive as the ones you explored, but it's massive enough. It's a very good example of how the geography, faction play, resource management, and reaction table can create emergent storytelling and make an interesting environment that makes for sustainable campaign through dark halls. A word of advice is that it's very old and not such an easy read, but it's totally worth it nonetheless. We will check that out. Yeah. That was on my list for when we did the Mega Dungeons episode, but oh, I got to out. a point where I realised that there are far too many to talk about, so I just talked about the main ones. But that is one that gets mentioned a lot, so I'll definitely check it did out. Did you do a bit of research on that one already as a result? Or? Uh, no, okay. no, I didn't. I had it in a big list and there was some that I just didn't get to, so I don't know anything about it, but I trust this guy. If you listen semi-regularly... Sem- he- I, I semi-trust this exactly, guy. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but he carries on. He says, On the probably dead-by-now matter of appropriating stuff from pubs and bars, I was at one time working as kitchen staff in a paid bar by The Shift. In a bar paid by The Shift, sorry. A Saturday night, I got paid five euro less than agreed because the night didn't go as planned for the nth time since I started. So I complained that it's not the first time it happens and that she should pay me what he owes since there was no such thing as a bad night in our agreement. The daft owner had the nerve, or lack of brains, to fire me then hand me the keys to close the shop so he could go home while I stayed to clean the bar for the night. So I went home with two single malts and an aged rum that were worth about the money he owed me. And that's the story of my only theft ever. Have a great pod. Keep up the good work. Spyros. Ah. I would definitely do the same. I have a kind of funny uh, exiting work story that uh, that I did once. It was that for about two weeks, uh, there was a point where I lost my job once <laughs> um, due to idiocy. And uh, I worked at a pensions company for two weeks doing temp work. And they sacked me because I got a job interview somewhere else because I was a temp worker. And they were like, well, you obviously don't want the job here. And I was like, Do you know what? No, that's fucking depressing. Anyway. That's the whole point in the temporary worker. Well, yeah, well, exactly. And the, the office, the way you left the office was you had to press a button to open the door. And I uh, glued a, a super glued a Smarties lid over the button so that nobody could press it just before I left. So they would have had to ring the fire alarm to get out. I, I mean, I sincerely hope there wasn't a fire, because that is a... They probably just ripped it off. Yeah, probably. But I felt... <laughs> and I also, guess, get this, I thought I was really fucking rebellious. I left half an hour early. Oh, mate, you're cool. I know, I know. That's why I'm running Cyberpunk next, because I'm a fucking legend. Speaking of taking the liberties with like leaving early and stuff, I remember years ago when I was a temp and I was doing some piece of shit admin work at some place. Um, and uh, it was actually for the Royal Mail um, and I was in the office and um, yeah I just had a two hour lunch break one time just because they really didn't care about me so I was just like ah, I'm just going to yeah, be Yeah you were just longer. sort of like set it and forget it data entry right? Yeah exactly and then I turn up and back in, in and then no one would notice like, Well right. when I used to work for for a bank I remember I, I worked at Fulham for quite some time it was oh, yeah. actually one of my favourite places I've ever worked but uh, mainly because me and another girl worked on the front desk advising people on financial shit, which is, you know, that shows you how bad that fucking bank was. <laughs> but the fucking, um, we um, just agreed day one when we got there, we were like, okay, let's just let's just cover each other. Let's both take a two hour lunch because we were we were, you know, and so for the fir- for like three months while I was working there, we just had two hour lunches and That's I'd go to awesome. the pub down the road. It was fucking great. But yeah, if you've got, if listeners out there have got any stories of how they stuck it to the man, then uh, yeah, message in. 
Yeah, do it, please. Do it. But that is it for feedback this time. I mean, there was a lot of feedback about Sean, obviously, but I, I didn't have time to go and compile it because my fucking son is taking the piss. <laughs> he's only two weeks old and he's commanding everything. He's like, where, where, where? I can't believe I used to think I knew what being tired was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I know. It's different, The thing it? is, he sleeps really well, but the Millie's labour I don't know if I'm supposed to say this on a podcast but it was 49 hours it's pretty pretty short and we didn't even sleep the whole time I mean it was harder for me I think <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway let's do a news punch shall we so there is no news next segment <laughs> no no there is there is one there is one piece of news right? right do you remember a while ago we spoke about um there was a new american publisher that was uh, publishing translations of japanese tabletop rpgs mm. one of which was summon skate it was a game where battling was done uh using ska- ice skating to summon demons and you ice skating yes and yes. you skate around and uh draw runes to summon demons the cool thing is, is that the way combat worked, it was you used a whiteboard and you would draw shapes in one consecutive motion. Oh, that's to, awesome. Yeah, it, it sounded really great. Um, it's failed funding. Oh, no. So we will never see that in the West. So if there are any Japanese listeners, which there aren't... Actually, no, we do have one listener that speaks Japanese. Can you translate the whole thing for me for free, please? Thanks. But that is it for news. Uh, it's been, been another slow week. But uh, shall we talk about what we've been playing? Yeah. When now? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, it's about yeah, time. Yeah. What you slaying? Teenage mutant ninja beasts. <laughs> we've been um, yeah, we've been playing Savage Worlds. My brother's been running a game with t- uh, mutant hero beasts he calls it, which is basically Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles except the main characters aren't the turtles, turtles. Yeah. Or yeah. ninjas. Or, or teenage. Oh wait, actually, they no, they were teenage. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's recently ended, and I feel like my brother was a little bit pissed off at what happened. I feel like, all right, honest opinion, and I think at the beginning he was, but yeah. then he, but then he really wasn't because, um, uh, yeah, it, the, the ending was fucking great. Sean basically had at least because I asked him about between six and eight more episodes that he could have done for us or sessions so the way it's been working is because my wife was pregnant and i was at the point where i was like well i'm, I'm realistically not going to be able to run a game for a while after sean's campaign ended he just said right i'm doing another arc of the campaign and we started a new story so it started off with us trying to figure out who did a school shooting traced it back to shredder and then he shot us with a time portal gun and sent us back to feudal Japan, yep. like in the Turtles. So that movies. was feudal Japan was arc two. And then once that arc finished, and we managed to get back to our own time, a third arc started where he sent us into the future. Yeah, it was like uh, we basically got morphed into a parallel universe on a kind of different world, although the same but different. And it a was a kind time. of um, a post-apocalyptic mecha arc of yeah. the campaign. And it, honestly, it was set up. I reckon it was set up to be absolutely phenomenal if we um, played through what Sean had planned. But here's, here's the trouble. Here's the trouble that I, I find. And this is what's happened. This is my experience every single time. If you introduce time travel into a campaign, the campaign will not last very long. Because time travel solves all the problems. 
Mm. And the thing is, is that okay? So we got transported to this other world, See, right? And this is so the reason the feudal Japan arc lasted so long. We knew time travel existed, but we had no way of making it work because it was feudal Japan. Yes, exactly. And uh, so what we had to do was track down Shredder in that universe, in that time, to try yeah. and get his portal gun because there was no way we could get the technology to do it otherwise. But then Arc 3 in the post-apocalyptic, futurized, cyberpunky world, all the tech was around us. So it was just a case of um, shitting it all together and then trying to make it work. Yeah, and so the essential storyline was that the, there's these monsters called the Beta and we had joined as mech pilots to fight them and yeah. basically had tested our abilities, found that we actually sort of, um, I don't know what you'd call it, but like... Had an innate ability to control the yes, mechs. Yes, exactly like in all mech animes, yeah. basically. But the thing is, when we got sent out on the first mission, see, my character had the Code of Honor hindrance, right? And the way i saw it was when we chimed we know that when we time travel back to our own time that we'd created several alternate realities where shredder was doing really really bad shit and i got to the point where i was like well i've got a code of honor i know that all this bad shit is going on yep. yet we're here fucking around with someone else's problems where the world has already ended and they're just clinging on to nothing right so at that point, the guys went out on a mission and I drank a load of salt water to make myself sick. <laughs> and I was a weird scientist, to be fair. That was my character background. Yeah, so, so he knew, you know, he'd, he'd know like, stuff like that, make himself ill just so he could stay back. And Yeah, and then, and then I wanted to basically, they had this supercomputer and I wanted to repurpose parts of it and all the technology to make a, time, a wormhole to send us back to our time. Yeah, because he wanted to make a wormhole to clash time, uh, the, 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 the worlds, so that um, we could simultaneously get rid of the beta and um, Shredder and the Technodrome. Now, I have something to admit. Once I, when I started with it, I didn't really have a plan. What happened was, is that I just thought, I need to make this work somehow. So yeah. while these guys are out on the mission, I'm going to start working on it. And to be honest, we thought, because Sean did very well to handle all of us. Firstly, I need to say that it was amazing. Sean obviously thought about it a lot because we unlocked special abilities in our mechs, and but he didn't even refer to his notes once. And he, and he made all of his own mech rules for yeah. Savage Worlds as well, and they were really fucking good. Yeah. Um, but he... Um, uh, what happened was when Harrison initially his character was trying to make the time machine um, during the time available at the moment and uh, going on the roles that Harrison uh, completed Sean was like right you're a quarter of the way through so I suppose in our mind in yours Harrison it was a case of I know I've got to do this, but it's not going to happen this session. Yeah, but then I wanted to supercharge it. So yeah. I can't, that's why I made myself sick and I wanted to carry on doing it while you guys were away. Mm. And yeah, here's the thing I've got to admit. So I went onto the Discord, uh, our Discord, and I said, guys, I, I need to build a time travel machine in Savage Worlds. How would I do it? Quick answers needed, please. And ah! CJ Stock came in and went, weird science and ritual rules. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I suggested it to Sean. He's like, yeah, okay, all right, you can do it. <laughs> but here's the thing. He was cool to let me do it. For, for starters, but also, I, I posed to him, because dramatic tasks uh, are basically extended skill challenges. Yep. And those should be used when the consequences of it are dire, like a character dying, complete failure of a mission, things like this, right? Mm. And I said, how about this? I do a ritual, which is fi a five-round skill challenge. I need to get five successes. But if I fail rerouting power to my device, then we'll lose all power 
for good, right? Yeah. I think that was a fair because it would have that would have stopped sparked off another storyline. So I gave him something to work with, but he was cool to let me do it. And then in the end, so the beta these giant aliens and then our mechs, I basically ported portaled them to our dimension with Shredder's giant base, the Technodrome, in the middle. And we ended the campaign with a giant mechs versus kaiju fight with a technodrome also in the center of it. So it's it like was a three-party uh, fight. It's it was pretty mad, especially that as because we were in the mechs, and it was like, yeah, it was it was proper tanking. But it, and also I said, you know, he did seem kind of annoyed at the start, but I did mention, you know, I I knew that at that moment people in three different universes were suffering, and there was no way my character with his you know code of honor could let that happen. Yeah, because you could see it all unfolding. Because in the feudal Japan arc, um, this Albert Einstein character actually died, so then he couldn't continue his code of honor because he got obliterated. Um, but uh, when we brought him back, when we went back to the future type thing, um, that's when he sort of w- survived, and we um, yeah had him had him stay with us, and then that's when his his weird science brain could continue whirring the cogs. It was very cool as well, and we got to do like our own little endings, and we ended as the campaign began with us partying in the sewers. Yeah. And uh, also got on TV, so we've ushered in a new age of mutants living with humans, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's one thing that I think that ultimately we kind of wanted to bring about, because in the third arc, that was already common, but that was because it was firstly a different dimension, but secondly, 20 years on. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could be that we were the ones that made that happen, really. It was, yeah. it was a fucking cool ending, actually, and I felt like he dealt with it really well. I, it's just, I did feel a bit bad because I didn't just follow the road that he wanted to take us on, but the whole campaign had been very much free-flowing and stuff anyway. So. Yeah, but that's the thing. I think um, I, I think I mentioned it before, but this time round, Sean has just beasted it. Like, yeah. he's... I don't know what's happened, but he's um, this has been his best campaign ever. It was fucking great. Well, but I think the big thing was is that a the amount of freedom we had, and b the fact that we were playing mutant teenage heroes. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It was like it was so stupid a lot of the time. And you know, as we were doing our endings, when my one of my characters died before we went back to our time and got him again. I was playing, we all played pun-based characters. I'm sorry, listeners. But Albert Einstein, my original character, died. And I took up the mantle of uh, Huge Yak Man. <laughs> and um, Huge Yak Man, I, uh, I, I've got to say, I did min-max him. But he couldn't do much other than fight, to be fair. Yeah, but you did it on purpose. Because, like we established, that this campaign was innately... Silly. Silly, because it was bloody, you know, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's it. Yeah, and so I kind of did it on purpose, but yeah, so he couldn't speak. That was one of the things I I sort of bought that uh, hindrance so that I could take more racial benefits for being a giant yak. And he had a huge toughness, ridiculous fighting. Um, anyway, so right at the end, Sean, he says to me, he's like, right, so that's your guys' ending. You can have an, any ending you want for huge yak man. And he finds, he, he, the only words he could say throughout the whole campaign was, I retard. <laughs> and he finally found his voice and in the end he turns himself into the police and he turns out he's a serial rapist 
<laughs> it was a fitting end because he was Min Max character, I suppose, and he didn't speak much, so he probably just took his frustration out and that. Like a really weird, fucked up dark side to him that no one ever saw. Because he couldn't speak. Yeah. <laughs> he was probably saying it the whole time when he was going, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, someone help me. But you know, the funny thing is, is that I had to miss one session, which is amazing, right? Considering my, my wife's just given birth. I thought I was going to be like gone for months, but she's made an incredible recovery. So I missed... Um, one session and James recorded it for me and I was listening to it a bit while my wife was in labour but it was during the bits where she was trying to sleep alright um, so anyway it was funny because there's an out of context quote I can't even remember what it said but we're playing all teenagers and one kid one guy at the table he says uh, I'm 14 I've got a massive cock what? yeah I don't know I can't even remember the con. I'll see if I can find the clip but it was a bit mental um, listening to it but yeah, that's that's uh, mutant hero beast. He says that he's going to do uh, a, th- a fourth arc when we start it up a- a- again. You know, after the next campaign, fourth arc would be sick though. Yeah, yeah. We- he's thinking he wants to do a sort of mecha arc, you know, type thing. And I, I suggested, you know, it's it's in the well, you know near future, right? Maybe now that mechs have come from another universe, people have seen that America has mechs and it starts an arms race and then we have a mecha thing. That'd know, be so. sick, though. Mork Borg ended, though. It did. Yeah. It did. Yeah, it so, really did. I mean, we'll get into that later because we've actually got some questions about it in Electro Letters. But, uh, yeah, overall, what, what did you make of it now that we've finished the campaign? I really enjoyed it i like the fact that um as we kept saying it was very murky burky but if you understand what that means then it then it really was i liked how um each session was different and i i i really enjoyed the fact that we managed to just live on the life of vengeance yeah i mean that really like really spun it for me because i thought that's fucking cool because we've always got this we don't care if we're the bad guys at that point because we're just yeah, like, well... Yeah, it's, like, it's like morals mostly have gone out the window because it's all about revenge. I think if if you want to play a short campaign, it's kind of a good idea. Like, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but it's quite a good idea because revenge is always satisfying. It's why revenge movies are so popular. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I, I had, had a blast with it. A lot of people were kind of confused by the ending... But that was intentional. Yep, it's intentional. Um, so uh, we'll talk about it during the Electro Letters segment, most likely. But um, I kind of did the ending all with sound. And if you were listening carefully throughout the whole series, you could kind of have an idea as to what happened right at the end. There was actually a more succinct um like actual ending there's probably about half an hour extra of footage that comes after it that i decided to cut out but in in like to keep it ambiguous but i think it worked i i liked it but some people were so, kind of confused by it but i think that's a good thing um, it is. yeah some people were theorizing about it in the discord and stuff but yeah we'll oh, talk- really i haven't actually caught up with that yeah it I'm, was a while I'm ago now discord in mate i am too i'm absolutely terrible uh it's i i tend to go on there when i'm drunk as well which is a bad idea because oh, nice. I shared, the, you know, that video. <laughs> the one. A, a gentleman trying to get a hand job. Oh! That's, it's not what it sounds like. But I also can't say the title of it because it's, it's a little bit offensive. Yeah, yeah, But it's yeah. like one of our favourite YouTube videos ever and it is very funny. It's basically just a kid going around a skate park and he doesn't know what he's saying and he's yeah. saying something really offensive <laughs> over something. and over again. 
Um, all right, well, that was it for Morkborg. But yeah, and I just wanted to talk about a couple of gets, because obviously it was my birthday since the last podcast. Oh, yeah. Two days, five days before my son was born, which was oh, yeah. good timing, because uh, I didn't want him stealing my thunder. <laughs> you motherfucker. But yeah, fucking um, CJ Stock, one of the listeners, he sent us a little uh, sent us a little care package because he's having a bit of a clear out of his RPG stuff and wondered if there was anything we needed. He sent Nick the entire um, sort of box set and core rulebook of the Alien RPG, which looks really fucking good. Um, but he also sent me Cyberpunk Red, which. What? As I mentioned, you know when we did the Cyberpunk podcast that I said it's it's it is a better version of the game. But it's way, way too expensive. And we were talking about it on the Discord server. And then, you know, somebody said, um, uh, he just came in and said, Harrison, you were talking about Cyberpunk Red. Do you want it? And I was like, hell yeah. Just like what? I know. And it's, it's, it's so nice. And it does do a couple of things to streamline the game, which I really like. But the book just looks beautiful. So um, that's actually going to be my next campaign that I'm running starting next Thursday. And we're going to do a thing where you guys operate a pirate radio station in night city that's going to be the the uh, sort yeah. of basis for the campaign but also the basis is, uh, is are we still um, linking it to tough guys yes so it's our tough guys campaign which was a british gangster one so it's set in the same universe as that it's not going to be overtly tough guys but no. the holloway firm are who the characters that was the characters gang when we played before yeah. they're going to be one of the big corporations in night city because i just think that's a lot of fun it would it, be nice because then there's something that we can immediately relate to and um the fact that it's kind of an extension of a previous world because obviously technology would have advanced greatly for well, it to exactly, be cyberpunk t- um tough guys was set in 1995 yeah and this is set in 2045, I think. So I think yeah, so it makes sense, really. It does, it does. And I, I think it'll be a hell of a lot of fun. I've got um, so a couple of good scenarios for it as well. I bought the GM screen and... Oh, I've, yes, did you? Yes, and it's oh, really, really, looking forward it's to really that. nice. It's really nice. But the coolest thing is that... Um, do you remember Loki Battle Maps? Ages ago, they sent us this little flip book of Oh, maps. yeah, 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 yeah. So essentially, it's a ring-bound thing. So it sits flat on a table. It's what a dry and wet erase and it's basically a bunch of battle maps for using your games now they sent us the little book right and they're kind of small maps good for miniature like encounters yeah i bought the loki battle maps giant book of cyberpunk battle maps and it said on the website a3 that's a3 when it's closed oh shit it's gigantic and it's a2 and it's got something like 62 different maps so it's going to be useless at ryan's house and his small table yes yeah yeah it'll be work fine at mine (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, but well, the cool thing is, though, actually, now that you mention it, is that all of the maps are designed so one half of them can be used as well. Oh, so you can fold mate. it flat. So if you there's one that's a diner, but if you open it out, it turns into a nightclub, which is really fucking cool. Really? Aye, that's fucking smart. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully it's going to be really good. I also bought some uh, some miniatures as well, like. Uh, listeners won't know this but I recently got rid of all my minis because I needed the space because uh, for my son's room so I've invested quite heavily into paper miniatures and so I've got like hundreds of minis in just one box but they're, yeah, this company they're called, invested um, in the card to put the paper miniatures on yes exactly but the, there's this company called Arknight Miniatures that do flat 
plastic miniatures that have bases. So essentially they take up very little room, have really cool artwork on them, and they're about $30 for 56 miniatures, which is... Are they all coloured as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, And the artwork's quite nice. So I, I bought the Cyberpunk pack and the Civilians pack because, yeah, then I've got 112 minis to Aye, use for the campaign. That's pretty sick, though. The idea is I just wanted to get it all done now. Like, I've got all these resources, and then prep is very much not an like a not an issue do you know what i mean yeah because at the moment i can't fucking five time find five minutes to take shit <laughs> i mean i'm surprised i'm here to be honest <laughs> um but yeah so cyberpunk red yeah i'll be running that next and uh, I, th- I think it'll be a hell of a lot of fun one of the cool things that i've noticed so far is that in this particular like cyberpunk is quite a complicated game and creating characters is really fucking complicated. But in the new version, they have uh, rules for three different character creation types. So there's one where you just pick templates. You'll just go, this class, this set of stats, this set of equipment, done. Is that for just like um, a, a quick fire? Yeah. need to make a character in two seconds flat. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or like if you wanted to do a one-shot or if you quickly need to make an NPC or whatever. And then there's a, sort of a midway point between that and creating it fully where you kind of pick templates but you buy skills like that type all of thing. right and then there's obviously you can make it just completely fully but i'm thinking i'm going to go for the middle one because i don't want it to take four hours but yeah it's it's a really great game and a lot of the stuff it does to streamline is really really quite good and it's a beautiful book too but yeah so that should be fun um i'm really looking forward to it very last thing i'll talk about is james got me some birthday presents yeah some really fucking cool ones so Oh, sort of. Go- so you bought me a, a D50 to go with my DCC set. It's yeah, like a red like a, D50. Yeah, like um, a, a circular D50. A, a, a proper one. Yeah. Because I, I did have a, a D50. Sean's now got it. but the It's a spin top. It was like two spin tops put together. It looks like a butt plug. Yeah. And it's not very nice. And it's a horrible colour. And that was the only one that was available for quite some time. That's why I had it. But yeah, the, the one you got me is way nicer. It's just a normal circular dice. But... Um, you also got me some tiny luminescent dice. Yeah, yep, yeah, some tiny ones. They're 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 definitely below yep. the average size, but they're actually I think they're casted well and they very good readability. Yeah, they're very nice. And do you know what? I I actually thought something because those mini dice, beyond just being a novelty for being small, actually, if you're GMing, you've got loads of stuff behind your screen. It's quite good to save the space. Yeah, and it's also good uh, for transportation reasons as well because it's like also it can that, fit yeah. in a pen slot. Uh, well, it's slightly chunkier than that, the whole bot- the size, but still. And as sort of a joke present, you got me uh, some... You know, Rory's Story Cubes, right? <laughs> James got me some of those, but sexual ones. Yeah, but... They're much more useful than you would think. Yeah, so obviously they have like positions and that, but then they've also got places places weather for some fucking reason items um there's also one that is body parts but i said to james like okay it is a pair of tits or a dick or whatever but just but you could yes yeah 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 Yeah. it could be used as a hit locate i was like these are actually useful and the funny thing is is that um yeah so i i then went and bought some more story cubes because i like them so much so i got the fantasy ones which are really nice Mm. Um, but the f- very final thing you got me was a, a gigantic D100. Yes, mate. It was a pure brass, metal, pure metal one. Because he's got a metal set, and he was um, his mum got him uh, them uh, Christmas gone or Christmas before that. Yeah, actually. yeah, Christmas. <clears throat> and uh, Harrison absolutely loves them and has used them a lot at the table. 
And then I know that um, that one, I think that one in particular, you eyeballed up and were just like, oh, mate, I'd love that. It is, it's so fucking heavy as well. It's I, like I, bigger I, than a golf ball. I was passing it from hand to hand, just enjoying the weight of it when I dropped it on my coffee table and it was like, goosh. And I was like, okay gonna stop playing with that but i was i was thinking like because in cyberpunk all, all of the random encounter tables and i've got a weather table as well it's a d100 yes, and mate. I, I, currently one of the things i'd like to do as a gm is give players like little jobs to do like okay you hand out cards for initiative or you give out bennies when you think somebody's done a cool move or whatever right and um so i'm thinking i might put that giant d100 on the table and be like okay random encounter roll that and then people get to use it and because it's giant and awesome yeah. I, I think it would just i hope it has to be in a dice tray though yeah that's the thing because you've got it's, a very nice table it's because it's so big it, it it fucking rolls for days mate if you actually rolled it like you know just try to like let it fall out you could hand. wipe out a city yeah it would just go mate <laughs> just keep going if you drop it it just keeps going to australia when I transported it to Harrison, she was in my car and it almost popped my tyre. <laughs> I imagine your car just being like, like sideways, yeah. just on two wheels. But yeah, but then when you take a corner quickly and it rolls to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks, man. Really cool presents. So yeah, who knew? Who knew that I could get Harrison more dice? <laughs> yeah, but you know, sometimes it's no offense to anyone who's ever done this, but you know, sometimes as a gamer for a birthday present, somebody will just go to the store and buy. Eh, just give me a random pack of dice. There you go. But these, yeah. I actually, I actually thought well, they were purposeful. they're very f- thoughtful. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the small ones were an in joke because of when I once bought an extremely tiny metal set. Of they dice. were like two millimeters. They were yeah, and I used them at the con that I bought them at. <laughs> Um, and then the GM thought I kept cheating because as I rolled it, I had to like put my whole face inside the tray to read them. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, I've got a uh, 17. Because you yourself couldn't even read them. No. And you were doing it at a bloke's game who you've never met. Yeah, yeah. He was getting really annoyed. So it's kind of a joke since then. So that's why I got the uh, the mini set. Yeah, it was a good fuck. It was a good fucking birthday, man. It was man. a good I, fucking. It was a good fucking. Um, <laughs> But that is it for what we've been saying. We, I think we've gone on pretty fucking long yet again. But, I mean, there's lots happened. I mean, it's been a while since we did the last bloody episode. Cause That's true, yeah. There's been a lot going on. We had to put some delays on. I've been shat on, literally, yeah. by a baby. More than once. You know? I don't want to make this about babies because it's like a really bore people. But, Jesus. Like, people say, you know, like, like, oh, that first shit, the smell is unbelievable. I thought I was prepared for it, right? I've been to fucking music <laughs> festivals. I know what the toilet smells like. He's been to RPG conventions, mate. Yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. But it is the worst. And it was the first time I've ever changed uh, a nappy. That's a diaper to you Americans. And uh, I took it off, put the nappy to one side. And, uh, and then he began shitting again. Now I know, right? <laughs> and now I know that you're supposed to keep it there while you do the wiping, but I didn't know at the time. Yeah, we mate. were on a ward. Shield. There was another couple, one over from us, and I was going, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it was like just coming out, and I was trying to fuck. Oh, it was awful. And the stench, fuck me. I really wasn't prepared for it. I was literally like the whole time like... <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we go on to the main subject? I think we should, mate. Main. Subject. Magic. Main. Subject. Tokyo. Main. Subject. So, uh, professional dungeon masters, or as I like to call them, cucks, are a strange breed, especially those who professionally, professionally live stream via Twitch. 
You often find that these people live for fucking D&D, spend every time they aren't playing preparing for the games, and generally become weirder and more idiosyncratic as they continue to live in this virtual world. Now that, in and of itself, is not really a bad thing, but in the same way that absolute power corrupts absolutely, tiny amounts of fame and power will corrupt the weird mind of a D&D streamer. Now why do I mention this? It's because today we're talking about Arcadum. Who the fuck is he? Well, that's what we're going to... You're going to find out, James. You're in for a real treat. Because this guy... Basically, it's just me sucking him off because he's just the best guy ever. All right, good. Sarcasm detected. (laughs) (laughs) Beep, 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 cock alert. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's a semi-famous D&D Twitch streamer who has recently been accused of grooming women that worked for him and giving them PTSD. We're going to examine the allegations, and I'm hopeful. Look, I'm not going to try and be too flippant about this. We'll give the serious bits the seriousness it deserves, but there are some quite funny bits to this, and I'm sorry about that. All right, but but just just trust me. Just trust me, okay? Don't switch it off. I'm not making fun of it. So we're going to examine the allegations, take a closer look at the evidence, and try to see if Arcadum is in fact a sex pervert, or if he was just you know having a good laugh, you know. And it's it all just just wait for it to blow over. <laughs> Show me your boobies. What, now? No, I was pretending to be him, having a laugh. Well, you know, we've been doing this... No, uh, no, I'm not going to make that joke. So, before we get into the allegations, let's talk about the man himself. Jeremy Black, a.k.a. Arcadum. He's a D&D... No, he isn't a D&D. He's a DM who streamed games on Twitch, and he's responsible for something called the Living World of Verum, which was a huge, living, massively multiplayer world for D&D 5th edition. And I'll get into how that works a bit later, but first we need to start at the start of the start. <laughs> right, we're starting at the start of the start. Because I, you know, some people, they start with the end, but I'm a fucking maverick. Mate, calm down. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Arcadum is a professional GM, and I'm doing that with air quotes, which is to say that people pay to be in his online games. Something which is sadly common practice nowadays, where some GMs will charge up to $50 a month to participate in weekly sessions. I don't like that. I don't like that. (laughs) Mate, I'm not going to lie, actually, though. If you fucking did that, mate, you'd be minted. Me? Yeah. I doubt it. You'd be minted. I I, I wish I could do it professionally. I wish. Mate, the amount of money you'd make off us lot. You know what? Yeah, fuck you. I should start charging. Right, we're not friends anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing this shit for free for years. Um, To be fair, I I, I very rarely have the time nor the inclination to bring snacks to the game. So I think you've more than paid for your uh, share when I... Oh, yeah. I get a bit over the top with the snacks at the moment. I know, I like it. My wife doesn't like it, though, because I'm getting fat. (laughs) Shut up! Shut up! But yeah, um, so yeah, Peter, some GMs right there, as I said, they charge $50 up to a month to participate in weekly sessions, or some charge like a lesser amount to p- participate in monthly ones. And these types of games can often be thought of as actually like pay to win, because it's expected, right, that your character won't die and will last the length of the whole campaign because the players are paying customers. And nah, I, mate. I hate this so nah, much. Nah, mate, I hate that expectation. But Arcadum, right, this guy, he had a really unique format for his online games. It was called Seven Years and Seven Days, and it was run for 77 different groups of seven players. Right. Yeah. And the idea being that is was that he would create some kind of statistical average of all the events that happened in the campaign between those 77 groups, and the most common events that would, would become permanent changes to the world, right? So he just is he's a maths nerd. 
well, yeah, exactly. And so, as for how we managed it for as as for how we managed to run it for seventy seven groups, the campaign itself was extremely brutal, meaning that very few people actually went on to finish it, and the player characters that survived became known in the world as the Seven, right? Now, this isn't actually a really bad idea for a game, and it's pretty cool, in my opinion. Well, it sounds pretty good. The fact that, uh, you know, I don't know if it's his lucky number seven or whatever it is, but the fact that he's incorporated all of that and made it work, and 77, 77, 77, 77, it seems like, okay, that's a, a good idea. Well, it's a, it's a clever idea, and I think that the... But the uh, essentially, the story reason for it is that all of these 77 groups... Are, they exist within parallel universes and affect each other. So it's, it is really kind of cool, I think. It was after he did this 77777 campaign that he started streaming on Twitch, eventually gaining 17k followers. Taking hmm. place during a cataclysmic event, the results of the 7 Years 7 Days campaign and the events it put in motion became the jumping off point for his, in air quotes, living world called Verum. So, essentially, his living world concept was like that of a West March's campaign, but turned up to 11. Essentially, with the help of volunteers, people would use the Discord server as a text-based roleplay where people's characters would do shit, and every action taken by them would actually change the world. He relied on volunteers to basically bookkeep all the events, and some GMs to run scenarios for players and also adjudicate the whole thing. And then that what sounds, happened... Um, that sounds quite arduous. It sounds arduous, but pretty fucking cool. At it the does. Same time. It does, but it just sounds like. It's just thinking about it now. Imagine, imagine trying to keep up with all of it. Right, and let's be honest. We're not talking about this guy because he's a cool guy, right? Mm. So, though, if I was doing that, it would drive me mental. I'd probably have to sexually assault somebody. <laughs> just, no, 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 <laughs> no. Bad. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> what would happen is like certain player groups deemed worthy enough would then have sessions run for them live on Twitch, GM'd by Arcadum himself, the big god, and he is fat, uh, for everyone to see. Now, this is actually a pretty fun concept, and it's no surprise that so many people subscribed and tuned in to watch or play in the game. The Discord mm. grew to thousands of players and even attracted Fucking internet hell. celebrity players such as Moist Critical and Huggabees from the official podcast. <laughs> uh, you will no moist critical as the uh, the guy uh, what's up everybody it's critical <laughs> um, but yeah anyway so where so where did all of this shit go wrong right it sounds amazing he's obviously a very clever guy he's obviously got very high power level well it first started with a bunch of women suddenly being ejected from the discord server right and uh, from his verum living world now I know what you're thinking these women probably broke server rules or something like that and it was yeah, just a coincidence yeah, you know, they, it's just a coincidence that they're all women. So what? The, so they came about. Did people notice that they got ejected? That's or? that's that's it exactly. Because these people were like big hey. boys in the scene, like people that made music for the campaigns, people that GM'd, people that were admins on the server, things like this. And then they suddenly got kicked, and people they, were like, "Hey, what happened?" Yes, exactly. Mm. Right. So, well, it, yeah. So, so eventually, what happened was, is like the banning was obviously an attempt to silence him right before certain allegations came to light and if you think you know what's coming you really don't because this gets fucking mental you see the women then started to share their experiences on their personal twitter accounts and it wasn't long before the accusations become widespread uh, amongst the players of arcadium's game and it started with a twit longer by a lady called kelly siren simply entitled my experience with arcadium now i'll link the full dis statements in the description but i'm just going to give you guys like a taste and sort of an overview of these things 
So, a big thing in the Verum games was music. Several composers made themes for some of the biggest events in the game's history, and Kelly was one such musician. She was a person with a self-admitted lack of confidence that Arcadum helped her in that Arcadum helped her with in DMs and in the public forum of the Discord server, and she was part of the game for three years, considering wow. Arcadum to be one of her closest friends. So it came as a shock when she was suddenly banned out of nowhere before receiving a message from Arcadum that said he had to ban her because his long-term girlfriend had seen the private messages he sent her. What? Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, you know, it, if... So obviously something illicit was going on there, right? Because mm. otherwise, why it would yourself have a problem? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and essentially, these messages contained various details of conflicts he'd had with his girlfriend. Apparently, he would do this with a lot of women. He'd tell them some sad story about his relationship via DMs, then ask the women to meet him on VR chat to talk about it where he would break down crying. Now, I'm going to read some of Kelly's statements here, and as she puts it in her story, she says, Things started to shift a bit when he suggested I comfort him in ways more than just words. She says that he would go into long, self-pitying diatribes about how undesirable he was, how sad and lonely he was, and then ask her to hug him in VR chat, right? This escalated over time to him commenting on her avatar's boobs and asking to touch them in... A virtual VR chat. I want to just make that very clear. So he got uh, attached to the VR version. I assume so. Uh, there's more to come, but that in and of its isn't that f- like. I mean, like, all right. So in a part as a joke, like you you know when it's a joke, but the fact that she's obviously explicitly saying how it came about, it it obviously was not a joke. It's really weird. And and also because it's 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 VR chat as well. Imagine yeah. that being the the avenue to get your rocks off. You there's no haptic feedback. You're not really feeling the boobs. Nah. And I mean, I, 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 all I'm commenting on now is the quality of the sexual experience it must have been, which is quite <laughs> rubbish. But it's PS2 also a level. deeply strange thing to do as well. Now, Kelly saw this as strange as well, right? But she gave him the benefit of the doubt, seeing him as a person going through some shit and was behaving in an odd way as probably a result of a breakdown, right? Yeah. And speaking about this, Kelly said the following. Sometimes I would say it was okay. I found that if I was hesitant at all, he'd get really weird about it. He'd blame himself and wonder what was wrong with him. And I didn't hold this against him at the time because he was truly going through a hard time. She seems like a nice person. Yeah, yeah. Problem is, eventually, it meant if I were to get onto VR chat to con- comfort him, it would most definitely lead him to asking me if I could make him feel better in a sexual way. I told him he's going through a lot and he needs to settle his feelings and everything before reaching out in this way because he's hurt and vulnerable and this is him rebounding. Now, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to say and, I, uh, yeah, and any sane person... If they had got into that position where they were doing stuff on VR chat, like a complete freak, and somebody said that to you, if you're a reasonable person, you'd go, all right, yeah, you know what, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. You'd be like, yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, he's, he's obviously just trying to um, go deeper into that world to take his mind off the current real world he's in. But obviously he has an issue, which she rightly so brought up and said, you need to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And right? she'd, she'd been doing a, right, a good thing for ages, which was putting up with it and the hope that he would at some point see the light and go back to being normal but he was obviously just getting deeper and deeper into this weirdness i just i I don't i don't i don't i don't get it as well like i'm sorry but just from a quality point of view right it's a cartoon avatar anyway 
One day she mentioned to him that she doesn't want anything like that from him and that she enjoyed his company, but not in that way at all. And his response was to be all like, oh God, no, that's not what I said. I'm in a committed relationship. I have no idea why you'd ever think that. Basically acting in complete disbelief of the whole thing, even going as far to talk to other members of the community, asking why she would ever say that and that her assumptions, in air quotes, hurt him real bad even though he explicitly said to her, but he was basically gaslighting. He was just saying, no, I never said that. If you if you uh, thought that I was saying that, then you're ridiculous. I just, I just wanted to touch your boobs. It wasn't sexual. It was for biological reasons. I'm yes. doing a biology degree. What? Yeah, so he basically just gaslighted the fuck out of her. And anyway, Kelly says that she was afraid of being dropped from his community and losing contact with all of the friends that she'd made and that she was afraid of him in general and did actually acquiesce a few times, helping to gratify him during his self-pitying moments. And every time after these acts, he would apologise, say that she didn't seem like she was into it and would constantly ask if she really wanted it, which Kelly believes means that he knew he was harassing her. I mean, that's not the behaviour of a normal person, right? No, you don't apologise afterwards and go, oh, did you really want it? If you're actually unaware that that is wrong and you're like just actually if a there's any person, ambiguity, yeah, you probably shouldn't be doing it to begin with, yeah. right? Yep, 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 yep. Uh, anyway, trust me, listeners, there is going to be a funny side to this eventually. But um, Now, she does mention that she wanted to just say no and not engage him, but that she was worried of the consequences if she said no. Now, the nature of the quests of the requests and what she actually did is something we'll get into. But here's the thing. Serious ac- accusations need to be taken seriously. And so I don't expect anyone just to simply believe a woman you've never met. But fortunately for us... Us, she screencapped some conversations with him. Oh no. Now, these screenshots contain text edited by Arcadum, which he then changed back after it gets brought up by Kelly, something which she addresses in uh, in these things. So, we're going to do a little dramatic reading, James. I'm right. going to be Arcadum, you're going to be Kelly, and we'll read out somebody's name. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, let's start. This is a uh, rehearsal of a play by me and James. Let's do this. Yes, yeah, is entitled Message One. So, I'm playing Kelly. And I'll be playing Arcadum. I'm going to try and fall asleep again. My eyes have been tired for hours. I can't <laughs> understand what you're saying with the American accent. Okay, Do right. a, a, a British accent. A British. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to fall asleep again. <laughs> Wait a second. I'm going to try to fall asleep again. My eyes have been tired for hours. <laughs> Before you try again, we could try it together. Huh? Before you try to fall asleep again, we could fap. It would help me to relax. I was just saying, hey, if I'm going to start streaming at four, I need to try and sleep. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, all right then. No big deal. I just thought I would ask and see maybe if it would help you as well. I, I just know you would get me there really good and I wanted to sleep too. And I'm sorry if I push too hard. I'm extreme sleepy. <laughs> I got you. I'll leave you. Sleep well, Kelly. Thanks, smiley face. You're the best, Kelly. I feel kind of guilty, and I'm really sorry I made things weird. I hope you get a good sleep. There you go. The th- the uh, the typings of a rational, rational, normal man there. Yep. But it doesn't stop there, dear listener. She has a great deal of saved conversations, and there's fuckloads of them, and they're very interesting to read. And as things continued, much in the same way, she tried to deny him more and more, becoming more confident with 
uh, which Arcadum took to mean that she must be fapping with someone else from the server. This started a witch hunt where Arcadum began angrily DMing people he believed she was performing sexual, sexual acts on. In fact, Kelly confronted him about this. He denied it, despite Kelly hearing it from multiple sources. And to be honest, she was way too kind about it. So let's. this is, uh, this is play number two. Act two. I'm not saying he did it on purpose, but you telling them these things made them see me as someone they shouldn't interact with because you have interest in me. It's just a shitty situation. Anyway, you look at it. Here I am, paying the price because I have shit to fucking ask. And I'm allowed to be upset at the situation. I didn't say you weren't allowed. Who the fuck said you weren't allowed to be mad? If you're going to talk to me like this, I'm not discussing things with you until another time. Situation is fucked. What do you mean? I want you to feel better, even if someone else is the one that makes that happen. I guess the heart of all of this is, I've gotten lonelier the more successful I've gotten. I'm sorry, perturbed face. And I have more, uh, and I have few sources of friendship. I've been lonely too, believe it or not, I guess. And when I see that short supply dwindle, or when I feel a shift like that, it's devastating. But you see, wow. you see, you see how quickly he tries to flip everything to being about him and tries to act as if he's the victim. Well, this is the crux of how it all went down. Crucially, though, after this, he also posted his own screenshots where he actually went back and edited the conversations. And then she added an addendum to her original statement, proving that he changed them and what originally was said. Now, this shit wow. on in and of itself is pretty damning. Allegedly, he cajoled her into performing sex acts with him while he was in a relationship and became spoiled and indignant twat when he suspected she might be doing the same with other people and even made attempts to find out very personal information. And let's, let's call a spade a spade. It's not looking good, you know, what we've all approved. What do you mm -hmm. make of those conversations? Because they don't speak illicitly about things that are done, but at the very least, we can gather that well, his his it seems like his attitude and mannerisms are all predatory. Like he's he's really trying to lurch on her. Yeah, and like the first thing he says, he goes, "Can we fat together?" She says, "No." He goes, "I'm so lonely." Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's fucked up. Like, I it's... can't believe that he's explicitly asked that as well. Yes, it's weird, really weird. And the fact is, even if she never did anything, even if he never did anything, the way that he speaks to her is clearly very. Very groomy, isn't it? Yeah, like I said, you know, you can. This is this is all with context, like so we can understand that he is actually being a fucking gruesome creature. Whereas, you know, you can have a, a laugh with a mate in VR chat or someone around and be like, yeah, I mean, like Oops. sometimes I'll text you and be like, should we ever, should we jerk it together, right? Yeah, and then we do, and, and then, then it's we fine. do it, but it's a laugh. Yeah, men. But, you know, there is an outside chance that she made all of this up, doctored her messages, doctored the timestamps of Arcadum's edits. But well, what yeah, if I told you that, A, several other people came with similar accusations, 10 women, I believe, and that a few brave souls thought to record audio oh, of their interactions with Arcadum. Oh, shit, son. Now... The stuff I'm going to play to you now comes from a lady called Naomi, and she was subject to his VR chat, you know, weird sexual shit as well. And amongst this, many of the people involved in the game would have parties on VR chat, also, you know, where they would hang out and, and get drunk. One time, Naomi decided to join and was mocked in front of people, where he said something along the lines of, this is why people don't invite you to back to parties. And when she confronted him, saying, you hurt my feelings, he said this. So. What? No, so, so what I'm what I'm saying, Arcadum, is that I didn't perceive it as like you telling me 
that nobody likes me because I understand that like, like what you were doing was banter. But the phrase like you don't get invited back to parties implies people don't like you enough to invite you back to parties or something negative, something negative results in you not being invited yeah, back to parties. If you take right, it right. past, if you take it past right. banter, it can mean that. So that fault is on you. But like th not that, me. that, so th I'm saying, I'm, what, what I'm saying is that like that phrase in and of itself did not feel like banter to me, because because I don't okay. I don't take. That's not my problem, is it? I I mean. Wait, wait, so be stronger, my advice, <laughs> or don't play. Like, what, what, what did, what did you think the response should have been? Like, what did you expect? From what? Like, 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 from, like, from bringing this up to you? Yeah, you got your apology. That obviously wasn't enough. All, dude, all I wanted was to let you know so that I wouldn't hold on to it. And like it wouldn't keep being like a little sore spot, right? Yeah, you kept drawing it out though. I said I was kidding. It was just banter. I'm sorry. I hurt your feelings. That's it. That's right. what you came for. And I wanted to let you know. And then you said some banter. I wanted. Him I wanted to let you know. Because you wanted to fucking yeah. lecture me. That's what you wanted to do, and that's what you tried to do. Now, see, that's the problem. Wow. See, the thing is, right. In this clip, he doesn't really mention anything deviant specifically, and in fact, in Naomi's statements, she doesn't really either. She does say that things happen, but doesn't want to share it, which is kind of fine, right? But it does demonstrate the horrible nature of the way Arcadum talks to people that admire him. She's yeah. a fan of him, and that's how he talks to her. If you hurt somebody's feelings, right, and you put somebody down in front of other people, and then you just go, look, I, I said I was sorry. You should be perfectly okay now. I mean, it's... It's like, it's like, no, you need to, like, in that situation, all she's doing is she's just trying to be very explicit in the fact that it actually hurt her. Yes, in the forefront, he probably just went, oh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, but that that's probably the tone that it was. But then she's obviously explaining, like, look, just to let you know that the way it was perceived and why, why it, like, it came to me, it was very hurtful. So, realistically, yes, he had already said sorry, but after that explanation... She was obviously looking for a secondary apology, just to be like, yeah, all right, I get it now. I am sorry about also, that. She wanted a little bit of discussion, a little bit of human yeah. decency, right? That's yeah. all it is. All, all it is is like, if, if I really hurt your feelings, right? And then you came to me and said, actually, that hurt my feelings. I, 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 if I just said, well, sorry, I'm, you know, I was just mucking around. But if I, what yeah, you would... Yeah, but there's sincerity in it. You know, if you went, ah, oh, sorry, mate. Like, I was only oh, I really around. didn't mean... Yeah, you know yeah. I, I don't But know. if you went, oh, well, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not... It's that's how you can... Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, but just, uh, you know, fucking man I up. said the specific word, sorry. I said sorry. That's all you're getting. And it was uh, like... You just need to be stronger. But, oh, that, that fucking Whoa. pisses me off. Because it's just like... Look, people can't help what hurts their feelings and what doesn't and putting somebody down in front of other people is a really terrible thing to do and i need to stop doing it to ryan <laughs> no you don't need to carry it on that's right um but yeah i don't know and he, he he claims you know that it's just banter a lot and earlier in the recording he uses like word salad techniques to derail her which is like a a gaslighting thing where you just say really complicated things and he's like listen you're playing a card game you come to the table with the wrong cards but it turns out you're playing uno and i'm playing fucking chess you know well maybe you played the wrong fucking card and it's just, she doesn't know what to say, and he's just deliberately trying to confuse her. But even if it was meant, right, the comment, to make her laugh, it it, it didn't hurt her feelings. But he, Sorry. But even if the comment was meant to make her laugh, it did hurt her feelings. And he can't accept that maybe he went too far instead of, he just he just blames her for being weak, right? Yeah. Now, the recording that Naomi did is 40 minutes long, and it contains so much more. And I would, I would give it... 
the whole thing a listen. But uh, later on, he brings it right back to the self-pity. Bear in mind, right, this is a, uh, a conversation where Naomi is trying to get him to apologise for being a cunt, and he, he makes it about himself. Let's have a listen. Yeah. Well, let me, I mean, people think that, oh, you're way too hard on yourself. I'm hard on myself in the way that I'm hard on myself because once, many years ago, I allowed myself to become arrogant and I became the most evil version of myself that I have ever witnessed. Still is. <laughs> it disgusted me. Because imagine, you know me enough now that you know what my abilities are. Uh -huh. Imagine if they had no temperance. Right. And I was selfish. Uh -huh. Imagine the destruction that I could wreak. <laughs> I mean, that is a cool guy, right? Wow. Imagine the destruction I could wreak. Wow, he said he used to have this ball of arrogance. It's still fucking there, mate. I, I thought the same thing when I listened to it, but it's just amazing. The way he talks about himself, it's like, he's like an anime villain. You know what my abilities are? <laughs> I've got a D6 in strength. <laughs> <laughs> You've failed me for the last time, Kakarot. <laughs> but yeah, fucking, yeah, so, you know, cool guy, basically. This is how this guy treats a perceived small issue, right? He bemoans his life, talks in his grandiose sociopath way, but there's another recording from uh, a lady by the name of Oh Hi, it's Cry. Now, Cry was a woman that claims during her lowest moments, she took, he took a, wait a minute, what the fuck? Oh, right. Now, Cry was a woman that claims during her lowest moments that he took advantage of her. Now, listen to this clip, and I want you to see how fast he brings it from her calling him out to forcing her to do stuff she didn't want to do to him fishing for pity and uh, i do find it kind of amusing because her clip she just say, saved it as oof.mp3 and uh, that, this is that yeah but you were my boss and you crossed those boundaries i'm sorry oh man oh man my life is falling apart <laughs> i mean you got yourself in a pickle man i don't know what else to tell you that's i remember i warned you i i remember i even warned you i was like just make sure you don't do this a lot because this is how most streamers fall. Are you doing okay? Like you said that you were really depressed and I'm very sorry this is on you. Do you need help in any way? How can you help me? Because my depression started because of like that spiral or you, you remember my plans for the summer. Like I was having like pretty good plans and then that started, you triggered my rape PTSD. I'm sorry. And it, it literally sent me down the spiral and like, look where I'm at now. It's not easy. I, I was already barely climbing up my confidence ladder. And after that, you just kind of like knocked me back all the way to square one. And it, it just feels like, okay. Here it comes. Here I go again. Like it, it just feels like. Listen very carefully. See how he switches. I up. have to deal with it. And you just get to say, okay i'm sorry and then move on with life so uh, do you want me to suffer for it is, is that is that what you're implying there you go no because you know what i get to move on to i get to move on to being homeless and begging my wife to accept my forgiveness or accept her forgiveness that's enough of that but you you get you, you it's what? like 
she's Why she's she's, she's she... like see see being sexually assaulted if if in fact it is true and bear in mind this is a conversation a private conversation between the both of them yeah he doesn't really deny it specifically he acknowledges that it happens but says oh but my situation's going to be worse off than you i know you know that you were a victim of this before i took advantage of you but listen my wife's going to be really angry <laughs> yeah cuz she literally said that um he triggered that and you know we don't know which parts are true and which aren't but when you listen to it considering it's a private call i mean it's probably he did do it and she basically worked for him on the server and he took advantage of it and that kind of sucks but um anyway he he does literally apologize within the call but later on she says that he wouldn't take no as an answer and that he repeatedly ignored her attempts to stop him from doing various things the nature of which is not clear but either way it's clear that something did happen it wasn't right and you can hear it in the call and he doesn't deny it he even offers her help but only offers that help when he realizes he's fucking his life up it's such a pitiful attempt at redeeming himself it's amazing mate and now, he's, uh, he's, he's a pretty shit human, it sounds like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, listen, if this wasn't damning enough, the final victim we're going to speak about is the final person to come forward with evidence. Now, there were others that came forward with accusations too, ten women total, but this last one is the final person in the story with evidence, and she goes by the name of Falcona. And we're going to go through her statement a little bit and then talk about Arcadum's response. So, Falcona was a member of the Verum game who lived close to Arcadum, and after receiving loads of messages about his supposed, you know, domestic situation, she invited him over to help him out and be a decent human being. And when he came round, they watched a film together with Falcona's housemate, then the housemate went to bed, and I think you know what happens next. Arcadum did the classic. He came in asking for a hug and to play with her hair. So as soon as the hug begins, his hands start wondering, and the rest is really fucked, right? I did originally type out what happened, but it's actually a bit too gross, right? Mm. But short, long story short, he forced himself on her whilst crying. He was crying. Well, a bit weird. A bit, very weird. Now, this is her version of the story, and there's little to no proof of those actual events. But here's the dizzle. After he began emotionally bullying her pretty... Uh, after this, he began emotionally bullying her pretty hard, demonising her to other people in the server in the hopes that when her story came forward, she would look not credible right so it's probably there's probably some truth in it at the very least because he tried to preempt it he began telling people that she was mad because her character died and she said she was going to accuse him of sexual deviance now the evidence here though is mainly of a chat log ascertaining to arcadum trying to deflect blame and rarely mentions the actual incident so this one is a little harder to conclusively say what happened but given everything we've seen so far it's not beyond the realms of possibility her mm. story right and the thing is, at the very least, it's kind of funny because she, she never came forward at all for the pure reason, right, that um, he tried to demonize her to everyone. And you don't do that typically. I mean, what's she gaining by accusing him of this? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. but, you know, there's not much evidence. So believe what you want to believe on that particular case. But the other two, I think, are fairly clear cut, don't you? I think they're fairly clear cut, yeah. So, what does he have to say about it? I think as the last thing on this main subject, and then we'll probably go for a little break, James, uh, is uh, we'll read his statement. It's not super long, uh, but um, I think we'll just sort of dissect it a little bit. So, it's a twit longer, and it's simply entitled, My Response. (laughs) To everyone, the past few days have been a difficult time for a lot of people, including my family, friends, and the entire community as a whole. 
For me, it has also been a time of personal reflection. There have been many stories and feelings shared about some of my actions over the years within the D&D community. I've been processing a lot and want to address matters as best I can. I realise I will not be able to repair much of the damage that has been done or properly share my full perspective, but I owe an explanation and apology to all of those affected. So far, hasn't admitted guilt for anything. But it's funny how sort of hypocritical he gets later on but just yeah listen the truth is i have developed and engaged in a wide range of relationships with people over the years some of them leading into sexual territories and times when i made mistakes and was selfish i never sought out relationships purely for sexual purposes and to be clear i've never engaged in non-consensual activity which we kind of know is not true but he says these were relationships that developed as genuine friendships and I greatly valued these friendships and still do yet have been unfair to many of them. I'm sorry for the hurt I have caused them. Now, what's funny about that is that he doesn't admit anything, really. Because he says, oh, no, they all wanted it. But <laughs> we sort of know that's not true because they were saying after the fact that they really didn't. And several people with proof have come forward and said, you know, you can take no for an answer. And he never addresses it. He never does. So that's a damn lie. Anyway, he finishes up with, To those who have been reaching out, I am sorry that I have been unresponsive. I don't know where to begin in explaining everything or apologising to many of you I have let down. I have removed myself from Callus Row, which was one of his other campaigns, Verum, and other D&D spaces, as I don't want to cause any further harm in the community that means so much to me. I will not be streaming as I continue to reflect on my actions and seek therapy for personal issues I have struggled with for some time. Again, the victim shit. He's mm. saying, look, I, I, okay, I accept the tiniest amount of uh, responsibility, but it was all consensual. They all liked it, but for some reason people got hurt, so I'm sorry about that. If It's probably your fault. Be stronger. That's my advice. But yeah, it's just at the end, that, that whole thing of like, oh, I just need to seek therapy. It's like, it's kind of like passing the blame on. Do you know what I mean? It's like we're saying, oh, I've got personal issues. I yeah, he's I'm, putting it at the end. He's just saying, oh, woe is me. I'm going to go get some, well, rightly so, some help, mental health help. But, um, it's well, he not... obviously needs it, but the, but the thing is, it's it's just a little bit like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he should just address each issue and say it and get get into the meat of it. But it's basically nothing, I I think anyway. But yeah, I seriously have no idea. So the whole thing this has been leading to, right? I I think for the most part, our conclusion. What's your conclusion to the whole matter, James? Um, I think he's a bit of a waste of space, to be honest, and he's just kind of hid behind his fame that he uh, had, and he's just trying to pass the buck on everything as opposed to owning any real apology. And I also think that, to an extent, people relied on him for their hobby, right? There was a lot of people in his server that, that you know, a lot of their best friends were there. They spent seven years playing with these people and stuff like this. And he took advantage of that, knowing that people hold the game, held the game so dearly. He knew that they didn't want to lose the friends, and he took advantage of that fact, you know. And it's just very sad. But the cool thing is about all of this, and there is one cool thing. Somebody made a sort of an anime trailer for Arcadum, and it's one of the best things I've ever heard. What? It's called Arcadum 17.8%. I mean, do you think that if you didn't do D&D that people wouldn't be friends with you? Like, that's not the case. Yes. No, no, no. I know that's... that's <laughs> you, you, in fact, I can give you a percentage. Um, it is actually, uh, I believe it is 17.8% of the people that I run D&D for will continue to be my friends once the game is done. I have that number for you. 
I have made that calculation. I have made that calculation four separate occasions. The evidence is empirical. So, sorry. Uh, I believe it is 48% of you won't talk to me ever again. Wait, what about the other percent? Uh, passing messages, not a real friendship. Mm. Now, those numbers are probably going to be more bloated onto the passivity due to my position as a streamer. I haven't done the recalculations based off of that yet, but I can tell you unequivocally that <laughs> the the use of D&D in order to make friends has a 17.8% retention rate. That's the tragedy that I live. So, I don't expect you to understand that. I, I don't bring it up because it just makes people feel awful. But that's the reality of it. I mean, is that, like, for all DMs or for you specifically? That's for me specifically. I can't speak for all DMs. Right. That's for me specifically. But considering that <sighs> that's the only measurement that matters is because it's me. I'm not someone else. So, yeah, that's me specifically. Okay, but, like, have you thought about why they wouldn't? As- like, aside, aside from the obvious clout chasers. Because, uh, I mean, because oh no 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 this is before clout. Okay. This is before any of that. These measurements are based off my entire career. So, seventeen point eight percent. Okay. But anyway, thought about why though? Of course I have, Naomi. Please. Yes, I have. I have augmented behaviors. I have done experiments to determine why. I have tried to pick different ethnicities. I've tried to do different gender counts. I've done everything with that was within my power to experiment, to experiment, and that number has remained depressingly the same. So, that's the way it is. It could just be because it's me. That's why I don't talk about it. That's also why I don't play Among Us. And that's why I don't play Among Us. <laughs> no. oh. But Jesus Christ, it's so good, that video. And it's, it's they edited it together with Death Note footage, which yep. is just the fucking best. So when he's saying, I did the calculations. But do you know how many... Because you can't have a percentage of a person, a single person, for, um, uh, for a friend, right? It has to be... So for 17.8%, that would have to be thousands of people. Yeah. That's still more friends than I've got. Yeah, man. My, all my friends are in this room now. <laughs> well, I don't see any of mine. <laughs> nice skadoon. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's a uh, he's a bit of, he's a bit mental. But things like this, unfortunately, they exist within the RPG community, and it happens an awful lot. I mean, we saw the Dungeon World creator rape somebody's character, you know, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's all imaginary. <laughs> this was well, some of this was imaginary too, but yeah, Arcadum is a good contender for the shit bag of the year, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was that was Arcadum. That was a look into the life of a fat neckbeard getting famous who has untold destructive power. Seventeen point eight percent. He's done the calculation. You know what's you know what's fucking irritating is that um, I don't really I don't care for um, RPG famous people. Right. Mm. The only like people that I would say I care about are people. For instance, like Richard Walcock, he's a fucking, he's a RPG legend. He's an absolute genius, but he's a properly nice bloke. I don't think I'd ever see him sitting there at a GM table being like, yeah, 50 pound a pop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a very, very good point because, you know, RPG celebrity-dom 
is to me a very stupid fucking concept. I mean, yeah, that's why our podcast has remained so you know low view count all over the years yeah. because we don't want the fame. Okay. And the thing is, it's like you know everything that we try and do as part of the podcast as well is like we try and feed back into the podcast. So I don't. Yeah, yeah. You know, we don't we don't swindle anything because there's nothing much to swindle. Well, I mean, there's nobody to take advantage of. That's the trouble. Well. Well, if no, anyone no, wants no. to be taken advantage of, just uh, send us an email. So maybe we should cut that out. <laughs> no, but the, but the thing is, is that he, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just so sad that 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 people with this tiny amount of power could abuse it in that manner. I mean, I see it in small ways very very often in the RPG hobby. Arcadum is what people think D and D players are like, and that's the sad thing. But I see it all the time in small areas of the hobby where people are just dicks to each other constantly because they're angry fucking neckbeards and they think their games are so great that you should be grateful for it. You know, little things like that. Yeah, but it's just like fucking... And sometimes there is a bit of a power balance between GMs and players and GMs think they're so fucking great. But, you know, just don't just don't be like this fucking guy. Not even in a small way. Because, you know, when he was just talking about the fact that he'd hurt somebody's feelings, that type of stuff, I think, needs to leave the RPG industry completely we're all enjoying the same hobby let's not be dicks to each other let's not rape each other it's yep. pretty simple yep I just think we just need a bit more I don't know you know every every kind of story there's always like depending on what one you play but majority of the stories there's always um, the the backbone of everything is like heroic and pleasantries and all that stuff and nice because you're trying to create a nice story that is the part of the RPG world that just needs to be at the forefront. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe there's something about the hobby, you know, because D&D at its core, as you say, is a story, is a game about heroes, right? Mm. But the thing is, maybe this hobby just attracts weird fucking people because it I is niche. Mm. And also you do get the opportunity to, like, there's a guy in our group, and he doesn't listen to this, so it's fine. But he's sort of like, he always plays evil characters, and I actually think he plays them really well. But he also was, you know, once talking to us, like, about the fact he knew how to make explosives and stuff. I'm yeah, like, real life. Yeah, there's a possibility that we might have one of those in our game. We'll get, we'll, we'll keep you posted on that, listeners. But yeah, I, <laughs> for some reason, I think this hobby attracts fucking nutters. And it's also like, there's this perception of the hobby that once a girl sits at the table, they're going to get harassed. And this no. guy is like the living embodiment of that. He's not doing us any favours. <laughs> no. I mean, how are we going to get women to our table to harass with this guy fucking ruining it for everyone? <laughs> Anyway, let's let's go on to electro letters. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the electro letter. Um, so I just asked for you guys as questions. We got some from Discord. We got some from Facebook. We've got some from MySpace, which is quite weird because we don't even have an account on there. Yeah. First one, uh, bloody uh, Henrik Erlandson. He comes in and he says, have you burned your Morkborg books? No. So, The Lost Ending. We'll talk about that a little bit now. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to completely spoil the ending for Morkborg now. So I'd say go forward about two minutes if you don't want to hear it, right? Wait, are you actually? Yeah, because I want to talk about that. Because there, there was... Essentially, okay, right, skip forward now. Spoiler territory, I'll play a little jingle. Spoiler territory. So the ending, really, is that it was supposed to... The reason there's all those sounds, the sound is of the time fall eating the rest of the world up. That's all it is. 
um, but the thing is, is that the reason that it just ends with the killing is because that was the only thing that ever mattered. The the goodbyes, the pleasant ending, none of that mattered. The uh, the world ended, right? But there was a sub ending after that, like a prologue, where it's going to be in the omnibus. It will be in the omnibus when I put them all together. Where the guys basically met a hive mind created by all GMs ever. It was basically like. I had like a shared consciousness of GMs that was saying that there's only one way your characters are ever going to escape the it's story. Like the fourth rule, isn't it? Yes, exactly. And there's only one way your characters will ever escape. There's one rule in the book that you never paid attention to, and the characters are like, "What the book?" And all yeah, of this. Burn stuff. the book. Yeah, and so essentially the characters then looped and looped and looped and looped and did the story over and over and over again, and the only way to escape was to burn the book. And James, and the question came to me, and I went, "No, mate, it was a gift." If, it, if I bought it myself, potentially I may have done, so but it was bought for me. I gave him a lighter, I gave him the opportunity to burn it, to save his characters, but actually in the end his characters are now in an endless loop because he refused to burn his birthday fault. present. <laughs> but I thought, it was, I thought it would be a fun kind of dilemma for you guys at the end, but what was really funny about it, and you'll hear this in the Omnibus edition, listener, what was really funny about it was this, like, the, this sort of weird consciousness was talking to the players and the PCs directly and was sort of like you know what you have to do James was like well I'm not burning the fucking book <laughs> Just, uh, there was a sudden realisation <laughs> yeah um, but yeah fucking uh, yeah so we no no we didn't and I'm not going to because I've got a first edition and I really don't want to burn it either yeah um, so I mean that's the that's the problem I also didn't want to chuck a knife at the page um, so but yeah well, no we haven't burned it and that's the reason why now you know Garrett Weinstein, he says, was there any part of your Morkborg campaign that wasn't fun? Um, also, you guys should tell us some more stories about the crazy shit done by former co-workers of yours. Alright, we'll get to co-workers. Was there any bit of the Morkborg campaign that wasn't fun? No. Uh, well, uh, well, what about when uh, Nick came all the way from his house and forgot his uh, lead for his microphone you had to go back home and get yours? Oh, that was nine. I <laughs> turned up and didn't have his lead and then I decided... So I would just share a mic, and I was just walk, immediately started walking out. Nat can't can't share a mic for this fucking thing, mate. Especially because Nick's <laughs> mic discipline is bad enough, and when, when he shares it with somebody else, it's like. So you, you, if you've ever noticed during the APs that Nick sounds like this, James, do an impression. Yeah, so I'm just, uh, you know, like that. Yes, master. You see, you see, you see what we did. That was probably the only part that wasn't fun, and. You know what happens every single time we do a fucking actual play as well? At least one of the episodes, there's a fucking audio problem. And actually, that is on probably me or faulty equipment. <laughs> and we have to re-record an episode, which means I have to do subtle rewrites of the episode as well. Um, yeah, because and each time around, like, uh, well, no, not in the Borkborg, but some of my previous ones, it's like... We expect things to happen, but because of the rewrite, it doesn't. So it's just like, what? What? I tell you what, I tell you what, I, I, I loved this campaign, like, a lot. And uh, I don't think, if we're speaking specifically about the game, there wasn't any part that I didn't enjoy, I don't think. Because no. it was impossible, because we, we, it's an entertainment product that we're making with the APs, right? So, specifically, we games that are rules light like that make it perfect because it's basically just us dicking around and occasionally rolling dice, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Sort of a, a big part of Morkborg is the fact that you are really supposed to die, right? Yeah. And it was like the game got weirder and weirder at the end because the end wasn't really designed for you guys ever to get to. Um, and that was kind of the deeper meaning behind it. If it, It's quite pretentious to say that, but I was genuinely trying to, to you know, 
putting a reason in the world as to why you guys hadn't died yet. I mean, the real reason is because the dice rolls just went incredibly well the whole time. It is true. We had phenomenal rolls, and it was... Um... I don't think we've ever played a campaign, at least on the actual plays, that was, like, that lucky. Because, yeah, we were teetering on death in the whole final episode. You have one both hit point. Us. One hit point, and as we said in our, like, end discussion, you both started on one hit point, and the only thing that happened throughout the whole thing was you gained HP. And not only that, but you killed the final boss in one hit because you got the exact roll required to get that instant kill. I like kill. the fact that we chanted it as well because I was getting well hyped. That was it. such a fucking cool moment, man. <laughs> but I was expecting you guys to die there. So, yeah. you know, one HP each. Oh. Well, anyway, but I suppose that it's not that that wasn't fun, but I've got to be honest, I wanted it just to be a campaign with for once with an abrupt ending where you both just die. Well, yeah, like I said, a lot of the um, listeners who responded about it actually enjoyed it and just like, ooh, ominous or like ambiguous. I like it. There were some people that thought we were lying as well that were like... Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, so it's not really over then. It's like, how did you get fucking three crits in a row? I'm like, no, you got three fucking crits in a row. It was really happening. Yeah. I'd like to release like a, maybe an unedited version of it or just maybe cut out the boring parts just to show people people like this is really what was happening like yeah. it's ridiculous but yeah um crazy stories done by former co-workers of yours well i i used to this is something that i also did uh, I, th- I might have sold this on the podcast at a certain point but i used to work for a uh, company selling bikes and i've mentioned this on the discord server i won't say what company it is but i used to work for their head office right and we got <clears throat> treated like uh like scum, like they would con- consistently take our bonuses away, extend our hours, you know, loads of... They, they would keep people on probation for as long as possible by finding minor faults so that they could easily sack people at, their, at a moment's notice. Like, awful. Never work for a call centre. So, you know, we, and we got paid fucking nothing as well because most of our salary was in the bonuses that they wouldn't give us. So we acted like idiots. And there was a point where whenever the managers, of which there were three, right, because it's a fucking call centre, whenever they weren't looking, everyone would start making bird noises for some reason. Which <coughs> was, ah! And then they'd turn around and wouldn't be able to see who did it, obviously. And, uh, yeah, it just got it got so out of hand that at one point uh, managers called a meeting and were like, I can't believe I have to say this but can we stop with the bird noises? <laughs> Anybody that we see doing it is going to get fired immediately. Fuck it. And um, yeah, well, another thing we, we all did as well was that, and this was my friend Zane's idea, and I know he doesn't listen to this, but Zane, shout out. Um, we started stealing food from the kitchen that was um, like had been there long enough that it probably didn't belong to anyone anymore, <laughs> and uh, scattering it outside to create a colony of rats. And it got so bad, it got so bad that I walked outside one day, and it looked like the ground was moving because there were so many rats in the car oh, park. Fuck. <laughs> it was like we put down old ham, cheese, cereal, coffee, old tea bags, bits of rubbish, and then. Um, yeah, we've just created a colony of rats. It was intensely bad. And, uh, yeah, that was another thing management noticed and stopped us from doing. That was a weird company, oh. man. Wow. Yeah, and uh, there was a, a, the CEO as well. His office was in our offices, and he used to cycle to work every day. And his uh, shirts, uh, he would hang them at, at work and get changed in his office. And, uh, yeah, my one of my colleagues uh, came in one day, had cycled in, had a sweaty, you know, trench arse, got one of Stuart's shirts and just really fucking rammed it up his arse. And there was a big shit smear down the back of it. And the fucking CEO came, came in one day and uh, had, was wearing the shirt. 
And as he's walking through the office, you could just see this big brown line down his Oh, back. no. <laughs> it's awful. It's really bad. But he wow. was a proper twat. Like, he was a real cunt. Um, how about you? Crazy co-worker stories? Mate, I don't think I have any that can contend, to be honest. All right, fair enough. Yeah, if I think about it, I'll bring it up next time. You were there, though, once with a couple of my colleagues from that job were on our stag do, and we called up our boss drunk at 3am <laughs> doing bird noises down the phone. <laughs> and it was like, oh, yeah. you, were, you were joining in as well, and all of us were just... <laughs> I remember hanging up the phone, and uh, yeah, my mate saying, he was just like, was that a good idea? And I'm like, it was a fucking great idea. <laughs> We've been just Stag-dude. drunk as fuck. I was in my bedroom, weren't we? Yep. Yeah. In your house, mate, we wouldn't let him sleep and we're doing impressions of his mum. <laughs> James lived with this absolute twat. I won't say his... Well, I kind of do have to say his name. Let's just say his name was John, right? And we were pretending to be his mum. He was asleep in the next room. We were like, John, it's your mum speaking. I wanted to drown you when you were a child. <laughs> Things like this. So late into the evening. Oh, and oh, it was good. That was a good stag do, man. Calling up your boss and doing bird noises. <laughs> yeah. Good times, good times. Anyway, uh, yeah, next question comes in from Wiktor Ulansky. He says, I have a 3D question, right? So if you can get your mind around that for a second. Have you ever played Delta Green? No. The Genesis? No. June D 2D20? No. What are your thoughts and opinions on them? None. Lewis Pineda, he says, right up... No, for serious, though, I think the 2D20 system looks really terrible. Delta Green is basically military Cthulhu, and it looks fucking great. So I do want to play both of those things. Um, so, but uh, no, I have no thoughts on them as of yet. Lewis Pineda, right up idea for fun. Character ideas for a one-shot taking place at a gaming convention turned zombie apocalypse ground zero. Any game system. Character ideas for that. So it's a game convention... The thing is, I mean, you really just got to go for fat neck. I put Arcadem in. He'd be a character, mm. right? And he has the power to... Well, let's not get into that, but he'd be a character. I put Sean Patrick Fannin. I'd do, I'd do Byron Hall. Oh, mate. What about fucking... Uh, that guy that wrote Black Tokyo. Justin Soroy. Justin Soroy being there. And what we call it is the... Night of the Male Feminists. Because <laughs> they all turn out to be terrible people for some reason. So you're playing the bad guys. It's like the zombies are the, really the better of the two. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. And uh, copyright. <laughs> I just fucking knocked into my microphone with my glasses. Uh, <laughs> copyright. Copyright. Right, let's go to Discord. We've got some questions on there. We'll just answer like a couple of them because we've been doing this for ages and it's really hot in this room. Which RPG company do you think will get the license to bring back the RPG based on Michael Moorcock's Hawkmoon slash Stormbringer slash Elric novels? Mad Van Holes, he replies with, I wish DCC would. So James... I've read the Elric books. They're quite good. There is an official RPG, but it hasn't been one made in ages. And essentially the plot of it is that it's one of the most over-the-top high fantasy things you've ever seen. Basically, the main character is like this king with immense power called Elric, who has a gigantic living demon sword, is an albino, and... Uh, rules over a kingdom in the sort of like most brutal way possible and one of the storylines is that his cousin takes his wife away to another Cthulhu-like dimension it's similar to the Stranger Things like the under whatever it's called and uh, he has to follow him into the darkness to get his wife back or something Ooh, like wow. that but it's a really really good very high powered setting it's like what you would be if you're level 15 D&D kind of character so right. honestly I don't think DCC would be a good fit for that I think 
you know, a, a fifth edition one would probably be alright. Yeah, DCC is a bit too on the uh, character churning, and that you really want the longevity of your characters to uh, survive. So yeah, five E I think is probably quite good, good fit. It's a boring answer, but it is true. I mean, the thing is, if you're playing in the Elric universe, you don't want to be one of the grunts that gets pushed around by Elric. Yeah, because if if it actually had to be um, fully prob- properly published, it would have to be that system. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I agree. I completely agree. And uh, yeah, uh, great books as well, if you fancy a good read. Um, Dr. Fuckenstein, he says, now that Morkborg is done and it has an actual play, will you be doing DCC Langmore? No. We won't. Um, We've but- already got one teed up. Yeah, we're doing Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea 3rd Edition. Oh, yeah! Um, and James has come up with a fa- fucking great idea for a campaign, so that's what we're going to do next. And then after that, we're doing Dying Earth for DCC. So that's... Yeah, we've already got the next two in there, sadly. Maybe Lankmar after that. I like we'll the see. Idea. Yeah, we'll see. We'll I see. mean, DCC is our go-to, so we're never going to fall short of that. But, you know... I can't wait to get back to it, to be perfectly honest. It's... it's I think it's ap it's it works so well with uh, our actual plays um yeah and uh, I, I completely agree because it's simple enough but has enough cool random shit that can happen and especially with magic i mean look at how fucking raven lord ended but <laughs> uh, ace so we'll do this as the last one but what's the drunkest game you remember playing what happened oh my god um we, we were doing the um what the fuck was it called the con um dragon meat no, not not Dragon Savage Gone. It was the one online that we did. Ugh. Um, was it FGCon, Fantasy Grounds Con, or NivCon? Nergen's NivCon. Match. That was it. That yeah. was it. So me and Harrison were together in NivCon, and we were absolutely steaming drunk. And um, we tried initially to sit at two ends of a table, but then our mic mics were bleeding terribly. So we ended up um, using two laptops, but one mic. But we were just getting raucous, mate. We were just like, uh, you know, I was getting way there's, too. There's also more to this story that we can't tell. But yeah, we yeah. were we were very drunk. Wink. Yeah. No winks. No winks. No. Sorry. Delete that. We. I'll yeah, bleep we, the wink. We were just we were just really fucked up. Yeah, and we were playing Fiasco as well. Yeah, and and, and we were getting we were getting super super involved in so many nitty gritties. Absolutely fucking trolleyed on that one. Now that was a good one. Uh, another one is the one where you had four pints before coming to a Solomon Kane game, like literally <laughs> before the game. <laughs> you were so fucking hammered. Wait, you were you were running it. You were just as drunk as me. I wasn't just. I was almost there because I met you at the tail end of your pub visit, and I remember Nick sharing that meme of. Uh, of Ralph Wiggum and it's like four pints before the game <laughs> I'm gonna die <laughs> but I, it was like the end the end half of the game when the alcohol was starting to wear off that got really sluggish it oh and like, the other the other really really drunk one was the uh, the one that we know is Bad Friday at Con on the Cob that was a well yeah I mean can we tell the story the famous story of you and your interactions what the planking on the table the, well no there was more well we can cut this, but I'll tell it. But if you want me to cut it, we'll cut it. But the funny thing was, is that we it, we called it Bad Friday because it was the last night at Con on the Cob that all of the Nerds International crew, when that was still a thing, could get drunk, right? Because everyone was waking up the next morning or getting planes, whatever. So everyone got fucking trolleyed. And James, like, I want to be completely clear. There was uh, only adults 
in the gaming area at the time. But James put his bum out onto a table and mooned everyone. And <laughs> I was trying to like, put them off. They were playing Genesis. And it was a really serious Genesis game as well. And people were just trying to ignore this like ask just sort of like you sort of like propped it onto a table just resting <laughs> it was just resting there it was quite nice actually <laughs> but the um everyone was trying to wind you up and they were like james there was kids in the, in the hall why are you trying to flash kids man and stuff like this <laughs> but then obviously we carried on drinking and this very nice like mild-mannered couple came and sat with us and james was really drunk and he was pouring out moonshine for everyone yeah and uh he passed one to jamie the boss of nerds international and uh james was like no nah, no nah, i don't want it and james what was your very mature response my really mature response was to stare at him uh, kind of in the face i couldn't see straight but then i went <laughs> shut up and drink it or i'll rape you and this two this couple sitting there were just like um <laughs> but it was so loud as well yeah i i, I i'm a, one of those t- hyperactive and loud drunks Mm-hmm. So it was ungodly loud, and it was in a really empty hall space that you could probably shoulder to shoulder fit a couple thousand people in. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. It was echoed. Yeah. One of my uh, probably one of my worst drunk games was uh, a game of Call of Cthulhu we played at Dragon Meat. Um, <laughs> what happened was is we all got so hammered during the day. There was a point where Nick was falling asleep during a Tales of the Loop game at two in the afternoon. And, um, <laughs> And fell asleep at the auction as well, actually. And uh, yeah, then he, anyway, so I said to the guys, here's the time for the game. Let's go get a McDonald's. We're all fucking hammered. And it turns out I was so drunk, I read the time wrong, and we were two hours late, and then we just had to go home. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh, God. That was funny, because I wasn't part of that um, that um, Tales from the Loot game that you and Nick were on, because I was with Sean, weren't I? He was fucking battered it was so funny he he there was they were both so drunk right well nick specifically was that harrison was um bidding for a book and then nick started to bid as well because in his mind he thought well if one of us gets it then air quotes the podcast gets it yeah our gaming group gets it but then it ended up being a bidding war between harrison and nick right and, harrison and it was, was just it, like yeah but i want it it's for a discworld book a series yeah. that both nick and i do like but i i think i'm big, a bit more of a fan of it than he is <laughs> and that annoyed me that got me it was so funny it's like yeah mate you know i, I forgot dragon meat is someone just, else dragon meat is a lot of fun but it's just bad all around like the podcast that we did the last time we went when there's only 16 minutes of usable footage as well it's like it's really embarrassing because we yeah. i was so trolley and i remember trying to run um i dark overlord which is a uh, a card game right and i couldn't remember the rules so i just made them up on the spot it was a good laugh but fuck and the it was it's like a, you know when you have an embarrassing moment when you're drunk and you just kick yourself for it all the time mm. so shogun one of our listeners his girlfriend was at the game and i'll just put it this way she's a very beautiful woman of course but very short right then daniel Irwin, another listener i meet his mate claire who i'm now friends with so it worked out all right but she's also a short woman and in my drunken haze i thought one was the other (laughs) because i'd never seen them both at the same time right and i just claire the first thing i said to her was me and i was like yeah yeah like just like earlier you fucking idiot or something like this i'd never even met her before Uh uh-huh and, I, I just, I, and I, she was just like, what? And then I realised, I was like, hang on, this one has short hair, the other one. And then I was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I thought you were somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, it was like, I was kicking myself for ages after that. But we, would, we actually uh, had an evening game booked there, but had to go home because we were too drunk. Brilliant. 
Yeah, it was awful because Shogun bought uh, Jack Daniels honey. to the game. Yeah, Honey Jack Daniels and was feeding it to us. And uh, Nick bought Burger King on the way home, realised he had his train coming, so he stashed it in his bag and forgot about it until the next morning. Yeah. I would, would you have still eaten it, though? Depends what state it was, mate, but yeah, probably. I, I probably would have, yeah, yeah. It's like when you eat a, a no, kebab. I want a kebab now. Yeah, me too. Anyway, that is it for questions this time. There are a couple more in there, but we'll save them for the next podcast. So uh, let's do an outro, shall we? Yes. I seriously have no idea. Goodbye. I can't, I can't believe your recording setup is... It's lasted. We've done it. Yeah. My, uh, I've got an outdated Mac, and it's kind of... Um, it's one of those things where I just need to replace it now. Um, but because it's also one of those... Um, I just have it sort of set up as a hub, so it's just always on. So kind of everything, like the process and everything, just always used. So it's getting a bit fucked. It's it's bloody fucked. It's fucked up beyond recognition. Fucked up, mate. But um, yeah. So I guess I guess that was a show. Final word on it is: don't be a creep. And if you do, make sure it's consensual. Yeah, and also own your apologies and what you've done yeah be a, be, be a real person you know be, a, be a, and, and, and actually own up to shit and try to be a better person because then no one can blame you if you've made a mistake you made a mistake but Arcadum I don't think it was a mistake because he knows his abilities he's done the calculations <laughs> anyway yeah thank you very much for your questions if you want to send us questions for the future or feedback you can do it at 3trpgpod at gmail.com or on Facebook Twitter or see the other one Oh, Discord. Discord. Search for the Discord server. Yeah. I had to, I don't, I'm not putting the link about anywhere at the moment because somebody tried to dox me, right? And he didn't manage to succeed because I am fucking Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, well, I've been Harrison Hunt. I've been James Clark. And remember, the D20s are cool, but 20Ds... No, that's a good time. I'm leaving that pause in. <laughs> <laughs>